Welcome to the Shift Spotlight Podcast. I'm Winter, your host and co-founder of the Shift Spot. We are a CEO coaching and peer advisory community of fellow business owners who are passionate about making radical shifts in their businesses and their lives. We are business transformational experts that help business owners and CEOs shift from working in the business to working on the business. My partner, Ken Paskins, and I have a combined 55 years of experience as an accomplished CEO, COO, executive coach, skill sets in sales and marketing, public relations, and peak performance for successful CEOs looking to scale their business with ease. We say here at the Shift Spot, shift happens, we can help. And we believe our support will help you design your business to give you the freedom and balance you deserve. Also, the Shift Spotlight is always looking for podcast guests. So go to theshiftspot.com and click on podcasts. We'd love to have you. Hey, everybody, it's Winter here with the Shift Spotlight. And today we're here with Mike Katie, who is the CEO of Norhart and can be found on norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. And I believe that uh, you are currently in Minnesota, right? That's right. Out here in the, I'm in the cold states, but I like it. Minnesota, you betcha. Um, so <laughs> I actually have a lot of experience in Minnesota airport. I used to fly to Williston, North Dakota all the time to actually get involved in real estate up there. I have my real estate license in North Dakota. Fun fact, I live in Georgia. Georgia reciprocates with like 49 states. Um, and well, no, I'm sorry. Florida reciprocates with 49 states, except for Georgia. I originally got licensed in Florida. And so I had to re-get my license when I got to Georgia. Georgia doesn't reciprocate with anybody but three states. And one of them happens to be North Dakota. So I didn't have to take the test all over again, but I have spent a lot of time up there and it is another kind of cold, man. (laughs) Especially Williston. That's like up near Canada. It's cold up there. Yeah, you would walk out and your like the your nose would just freeze, like you, your nose would run and it would freeze coming out of your nose. <laughs> so well, the worst uh, I've ever had it is one of my eyelashes actually froze shut biking across the Mississippi River. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! <laughs> so um, we have a lot to cover today. A lot of cool things. We're going to be talking about one of my specialties, which is real estate, and something I love dearly. So let's just dive right in at a high level. Tell us what you do. Yeah, at a high level, we design, build, and rent apartments. And we're focused on driving down the cost of housing. Our dream is eventually to solve housing affordability nationwide. We're already achieving about a 20 to 30% reduction in the core construction costs. We believe eventually we can achieve a 50% reduction. But imagine what that means. I mean, someday your rent or your mortgage payment could be half. And that's what we're trying to do. So you mentioned affordable a lot in your marketing. I did a lot of recon on you. And um, what what exactly does affordable mean to you? Yeah, this is an important question because there's affordable housing, affordable apartments. We're not actually affordable apartments in the traditional sense, right? Where government comes in, they contribute some amount of capital to help lower or cap the rents. See, if you were to do that at a nationwide level, you just can't because the size of the problem is so unbelievably massive. So instead, what we focus on is we're trying to reduce the cost of the inputs, particularly construction. If we can reduce the construction costs, 
then we can produce a lot more units to the marketplace. And a dream is as we scale up, the number of available units goes up and the price starts coming down naturally. And here's the key, not just for our own residents, but for everyone in the community that we're serving. So this is my uh, wheelhouse. I've been involved in real estate for about 25 years, residential, not uh, multifamily like you, but um, you know, with COVID and supply chain issues and building issues and the, and the, downright shortage that we have nationwide. How do you get costs down when these suppliers, they're they're naming their price and they're getting it, right? And and builders right now in my area, they're doing nothing. They will not promise when your house, they used to say, we'll build it within two years. Now they're not promising anything. And they're saying, we may or may not build your home. And in the event we don't, we're still going to keep your money. And we're so short on housing. People are like, well, I'll, I'll take a shot at it. So with this, you know, supply chain issue that had gone on, I know it's not as prevalent anymore. How, how do you get costs down? Oh, it's so challenging. And the supply chain is a very real thing. We saw a lot of our inputs go up by two to five to 10 times as much. It was insanity. But the core idea is pretty simple. If you look at other industries like manufacturing, over the past 60 years, They've improved labor productivity by 760%. Agriculture has improved it by 1,500%. Do you have a sense of what construction has done? It's done virtually nothing at just 10%. So we want to take the lessons learned from these other industries and apply it into our own. And so to give you some sense of that, one of the first things we did is we started to bring all of the trades under one roof, all of the different teams, all the different people into one company. See, the world of construction is you have a lot of different companies coming together to work on any one project. But imagine if a construction company were to produce cars, you have a different company installing the windshield, a different company installing the door, and a different company installing the wheel. And of course, the wheel company would call you up and they would be, I, or they would tell you, I'm so sorry, I can't get out there for the next couple of weeks simply because I'm busy on another project. You'd be stuck. And when they did show up, they would be irate because they could only work on one car at a time. So we follow very much manufacturing. We brought all that work into one house. And once we did that, we can apply some really simple techniques. I'll give you just one more example. And that's the, that's the assembly line. This revolutionized manufacturing, but how in the world could you apply that to construction? You can't take a building and drive it down the line. Well, no, but what you can do is you can take the person and move them through the building. So right now, every five hours, each one of our trades, each one of our teams shift through the building by one unit. And so if you look at the end of our building, every five hours, we have a brand new apartment unit completed. And the other end is just dirt. And that one technique can drive a project that might take 15 months down to 10. I mean, that's a really, really cool concept. So then we get into, you know, the real kicker here, which is I, I think you have 101 employees. Is that what it is? Uh, we have over 200. Okay. So over 200 employees. And you say that you hired the best talent. You know, that's something that when we work with our CEOs and business owners, that tends to be the, the number one pain point. So how do you hire the best talent? Yeah, this is the most important lesson that I've ever learned in my own career is 
It's so critical to get the people right. That's where I spend most of my time. I'll take a quick step back and just point out most business leaders are nervous about hiring the best people because they're so expensive. And the truth is, in order to get the best talent, you have to pay top of market. But what most business leaders fail to really understand, and I certainly did, is that the best people outperform the average by two to five to 10 times as much. So instead of looking at it on a cost per person basis, we should be looking at it on the cost per what they produce and generate for the company. And when you do that, what you start to realize is the best people are actually the least expensive. That's and so right. then the next question, to get to your, your core question, which is how do we actually hire them? Uh, we struggled like everyone else. In the world of construction, it was very hard to find the best people. And so what we ended up doing at this point in our, our size, we're probably around 100 people. We ended up hiring 15 or 14 recruiters. 14. It's insanity for, like, for what most business leaders would say. And then what we did is we used that team to start building relationships with people before they even looking for a job. We started to identify. We realized in our market there were maybe only uh, ten to 100,000 people that might fit jobs that we need within our company. Well, we can just start uh, tackling that at scale, trying to build relationships with those people over time so we can identify the best people in the market. So then as we have jobs opening up, we can pluck those people out. If you just post something I need and hope that you're going to get someone great, the answer is you will not because the best people are not looking for jobs. You have to go and find them. And that's an interesting concept too. Also, if you you know are looking to put somebody into a role and you put it out on Indeed or one of the other sites, then you're going to get hundreds of thousands of resumes and you get overwhelmed and you shut down right away. Even if that's your full time job, even if you're a recruiter, you know. So you, you click the light switch on, the floodgates come open, and it's not necessarily what you want. So I, I like how you're doing that. There, um, it seems like you know. You've got this well-oiled machine. You've got great talent. Um, you know, you've you're making big waves, and and you're coming up with you know something that can really disrupt um, the industry as a whole. So, you know, when you start out as a CEO, there's not a CEO book or a CEO school that teaches you how to do what you do. And uh, reading your biography is a classic example of something we see in our community. The Shift Spot is a CEO coaching and peer advisory community. We basically gather together a whole bunch of CEOs and business owners, and we pitch and catch ideas on ways to solve their biggest business issues, as well as their personal issues, because one relates to the other. Um, we bring in experts, and we also have peer-to-peer -peer coaching. Reading your biography is a clear example of what I would call somebody had a wonderful idea, and then they got into it and really had to learn on the job. And most CEOs, they, they have a skill set. And then they come on and they're having to learn how to be the bookkeeper and the human resources manager and the visionary and the leader. And now they need to learn about culture and how to speak to multi-generations. And, you know, it's all of these things, right? It's all the things. So, you know, let's talk about some of your failures. Where did you really screw up along the way? And if you could like go back and say, gosh, if I could change this one thing, I would have skipped this much pain. Oh my gosh, I can give you so many examples. Give them all. One of the, <laughs> uh, and even recently too, but I'll, I'll give you one, one of the bigger ones early on. 
because my parents originally started this business and it was very small and I wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, we lost everything as a family growing up. My dad was even kidnapped in Peru. Uh, oh my but gosh. they, yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, but we built back up after that. And so I grew up with learning the world of construction and learning real estate. But I wanted nothing to do with the family business. And I and I went up to college and uh, had to wrestle with my own ego and like, should I come back? But, but what I really realized is I want to make some kind of meaningful, positive impact. So I jumped back in the company. My dad and I were together for the first few years. And then overnight, basically, he passed away. He had um, a, a stroke caused by a brain tumor that we didn't know about. And it was it was horrible. And um, the reality is I didn't know what I was doing. And, and there was there was some benefit to that because I could start questioning things. But the big problem is I still didn't know what I was doing. And, and during that time, I felt very insecure about who I was and if I could even accomplish what I needed to accomplish. We were working on a 112-unit apartment building at that time. And the city uh, looked at our work and said, dude, we have got to shut you down. In fact, they shut me down twice. And the second time they pulled me aside and said, Mike, like, we don't believe you can do this. You need to hire real management to manage you, basically. And so uh, we had to hire someone in a matter of like three days in order to keep the, uh, the crew working, uh, which is a terrible way to hire someone. Uh, that was a struggle in and of itself. And so behind the scenes, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to improve. I've got this new manager who's really screwing up, and I'm trying to like deal with that as well. And I remember a, a few weeks before we we're supposed to open, we had a water leak in our, in our water main. This uh, this t- huge pipe, it was thousands of feet long, buried 15 feet in the ground. And somewhere there was a small pinhole leak. How the heck are we going to find that? I remember being out there with excavators, like in the mud, in the trenches, looking for this leak. And eventually we found it. And I remember just a, a few days before we were supposed to open, the city came out and took a look at our project and said, there's no way you guys are opening on time. Here I have families moving in. Like, what am I going to do with the families? Where are they going to go? And uh, we ended up working through the night um, for that last stretch of time. At the very end, the building officials um, came out, did a half-day inspection. It was about half a dozen inspectors. And the head building official pulled me aside in the basement at the end and said, Mike, I know we were tough on you, but looking at this now, this is the best project that we're opening up in this city. So finally, and I felt some bit of relief, like I can actually do this, but I, I struggled so much the time period. I mean, you really, you know, CEOs talk about being in the trenches and their hair on fire. You, you literally were in the trenches. I mean, yeah. and, um, you know, having my background, it, you know, Building problems are are a whole nother issue. So you're managing building problems. You're managing people problems. You're managing revenue, sales, marketing. How do you do it all? How how do you do it all, really? Well, the short answer is you can't. You need to hire great people. I didn't understand that at that time. But I think there's another interesting insight, which is you're always learning as much as you can, as fast as you can. So for me, I... This might sound like an exaggeration, but it's not. I spend about 20 hours a week just in learning, right? How do you fit that in your day? It's books, audio books when you're driving or uh, podcasts when you're uh, doing your exercise or workout. 
at night, I'll often watch documentaries and other business leaders. I do, um, you can learn a ton on YouTube. It's shocking today how much you can learn on YouTube. Right. So I'll do that as I'm going off to sleep. I'm a part of a lot of different masterminds and different coaching groups with some of the best people in the world who are coaching and training me. But I'm always, I always feel like I'm just an, an inch above where I need to be trying to learn all of these different things so I can contribute within the organization. So there's that. And then the other part is you just can't do it all and you need amazing people working beside you. And, you know, that's where we're huge proponents of everybody needs that support. You know, as a CEO, you tend to be lonely at the top. It, you do a lot of things alone. You have to make a lot of hard decisions. And and while your partner may be there for you, you can't always go to your wife or your husband and say, you know what? I suck as a leader. I kind of fell into this position and I don't quite know what I'm doing. But we hear a lot that that the business owners feel like they suck as a leader. And they'll they'll come right out and say that because, you know, you're not, some leaders are just born with it. And then some, you know, we don't believe that like all leaders are born with it. You got to make a lot of leaders. You got to learn how to be a leader and you got to do that through, through trial and error. Um, you know, one of the things that you said in your mission is that you want to solve America's housing shortage by transforming the way apartments are built and managed and improving. And in doing so, we will improve the way we all live. Exactly how are you doing that as a leader, as like somebody we just spoke about, right? Because like, this is a, a bold statement here. Um, you also say you're on a mission to disrupt. So um, tell me how you do that as a leader and you lead your people to that vision. Because a lot of times the visionary has the vision at play, but they don't necessarily, like it doesn't always translate down the line. And we always say it starts at the top. So what are you doing to help that get down this big 200 person tree that you've built? Yeah, I think you need to first know what that purpose and mission is. Uh, so we have our purpose, mission, values, strategies, goals, and habits. And they're all kind of put together. Um, and so understanding what that is, is important. Getting it out in the world and testing it and tweaking and learning and adjusting as you go along, because you're not going to figure that out on your own. You need a lot of input and insight from others. Um, that's the step one. And then I think step two, which I think a lot of people miss, is that it's got to be like ingrained deep in your psyche. If you have a purpose and mission that you're like just speaking about, but you don't like in your heart day by day that bleeding it, uh, you're not going to be successful with it. And, the, and to give you some example of this, one of the parts of our overall purpose, mission, and goals is that we want to make sure we're paying people top of market so we get the best people. Well, do you truly believe that? And for me, that's a question. Do I truly believe that? And I remember yeah. in one of our uh, meetings, one of my uh, one of my leadership team members came to me and said, hey, I've got this employee, got an offer, another job. They're offering a little bit more money. Um, kind of rustling through this. So I'll figure it out. And I didn't, I was like, okay, great. What's the next issue? I didn't press it. Right, I didn't reiterate the fact that we want to make sure we're paying top of market. So make sure you're actually doing that. And uh, she never raised that wage, and then we lost that employee. But notice how where it came from was the fact that I simply didn't speak up, right? Right. And unless you firmly believe it, unless it's in your core, it's so easy to let those little moments slide. But that's that's everything right there. That trickles down to the rest of your organization. So I think getting that right in your heart of hearts is important. 
Other things that we do, we do all of our orientations every single week. And in fact, we bring in all of our staff back once a year to go back to their orientation, uh, where we go through the whole purpose, mission, values. And it's not I just a that. statement. I love that constantly reinforcing your your vision and why you're here, right? Um, that's, and it, it doesn't have to be a boring orientation, you know, it can be an orientation that's fun for them. Exactly. And it can't, it can't just be a list of words or or what you're doing, right? uh, There's a lot of story in there. There's videos that we'll watch. It's engaging. There's, uh, team interaction. Um, and that I haven't, you know, that's been a learning process. It didn't start out that way. It started off quite bland. But right. as you start to realize and learn and get feedback and improve, it gets better and better and better. Uh, so that's a core aspect. Um, I think another really important thing is letting people go. And this, this sounds strange, but I actually stole this, I learned this from Netflix. They do something called the keeper test. And the question there is, if a particular employee were to quit, how hard would you fight to change their mind? And the answer is you would fight tooth and nail to keep them awesome. They're the right person. If it's anything shy of that, then they aren't the right person and they probably shouldn't be here. And so where most companies know they want the best, most companies know they don't want the worst, but where we're different than most companies is that we don't want just the average. We only want that best category. And I have seen it many, 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 many times where it is easy to stick with, okay, this guy's, it's okay, it's working, it's gonna be a lot of work to try. Like, can I even find someone better? I don't know. And it just, it stays stagnant rather than making the change you know you need to see. And we've been very active about making those changes and it's changed the game. The caliber, the quality of the people as a result, because we've been very active of that team is incredible. I mean, look, I'm digging it. So, So you sound like you got your people in place, which is the hardest thing as a business owner to do. You mm-hmm. sound like your leadership is in place. Sounds like you got some process and systems. Your finances being a $200 million company, that sounds good. You know, then I ask, what's what's not working in your business right now? What needs to be improved? Yeah, so for us, uh, the way that we have grown, because our costs are so low, we've been entirely financed by banks just fantastic actually it's allowed us basically to have unlimited growth uh, because every project becomes instantly amazingly profitable uh, and then we take those profits and move them back into the system that we build with our buildings but the downside is right now in the last year is that interest rates have risen which means banks are more skittish they're providing less money to groups like us and so now we're having to raise money from traditional capital sources like equity and um, Prof and Mez and all these these things that I'm now learning about. I never had to do that before. So right. now I'm having to learn that skill set. Our organization is having to learn that skill set. And uh, that's that's new to us. And so um, to say it's not working is maybe the, the wrong e phraseology. Right? What was that? More into the PE and VC world, like you're trying to find funding in different aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talked my um, partner, Ken Haskins, before, I believe. Um, do you have any, in, like, EOS world? Is that how you guys know each other or no? Yeah, we do uh, We do EOS, yeah. So you might want to talk to him. And we'll, we'll talk about that offline. But he's got a lot of experience sure. in VC and PE that he might be able to share with you. 
Um, awesome. I love that. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, what you're doing. I, I have to ask, are, do you have plans to go throughout nationwide? Can you come to Atlanta and help the housing crisis we have going on here? Please. <laughs> yeah. Atlanta is one of the cities that we eventually want to get to. It's one that's been on our radar. Um, we are looking to expand nationwide over time. We're hoping to reach 192,000 units with a 60,000 unit per year construction pace uh, within wow. the next 10 years. That That's our dream. And so there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of things we have to do to solve that, but that's the road we've been on. I mean, truly, you got to get here because it's like, it's still affordable, but we have so many people coming from New York, California, Chicago, and they are gobble, gobble, gobble up everything really, really. It looks like such a value to them here in Atlanta. You know, Atlanta used to be super affordable. We have a growth projection of, I think it's 2 million residents in the next like four to five years. It's in. Wow. And so, I mean, that's what the gurus are saying. And we don't know if that's going to fully transpire. But I mean, I can see from what I do that it, it really is. So you've got to get here. Um, I got two more questions for you. So if you had to do it all over again, speaking to your younger self, which you look pretty young, but um, if you were a younger you, less experienced you, what would your advice be to you? Yeah, uh, the biggest one is hire the best uh, and understanding that whole notion that we talked about. Maybe a secondary one is you know, early on, you kind of think, I can do all of this. Like, I want to learn everything. I want to get exploring and figure things out. And you kind of get into this bubble of just like, do, 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 do. The older I get, the more I realize that most of my time is in human interaction. It's not just, it's our staff, but it's also a lot of really talented people across the world. Like, I'll, I'll be, on, I was on a phone call yesterday with a billionaire. It's, it's that kind of level of person. And the insight and the things that you learn from others allow you to accelerate your growth so much faster. And building those networks and connections allow you to do things you couldn't otherwise have done. And so it wasn't always this way, but I've learned the importance of putting a good amount of time and energy into that as well. Yeah. I always say that if you are uh, the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So. Yes. Uh, you know, when I was super young in my early, early 20s, I latched on to the whole Tony Robbins, you know, mantra, and I was just getting started out. And I put myself around a whole bunch of people doing a whole bunch of things in the worst economy since the Great Depression. And I came out swinging just by being around those people who like up leveled me. And uh, completely knocked it out of the park when people who had been in the industry were, you know, for 30 years were getting out of it because they did not know how to get around what was happening. But you up level when you're around people doing bigger and better. And the other thing, too, is a lot of, uh, you know, I, I always tell my salespeople, you have two ears and one mouth. Shut up when somebody's talking. Listen, really be with that person and like hear what they have to say, because like in our community, you get as much from giving to other CEOs and their challenges that you do as much as you're getting from the CEOs and experts that we bring in. And, and it's like, you know, we only have our legacy when it's all said and done. We don't get to take our money, or our family or anything. We only have our legacy. And you want to go out at least knowing you changed somebody's life and your life got changed. And that really comes from being present and being present to people. So 
uh, like what you said there. Um, okay, so where do you see yourself investing resources for growth for the next year? We're primarily focused on building that system that builds housing. And so Elon Musk talks about how it's hard to produce a car, but it is 10 to 100 to 1,000 times harder to build the system that builds that car. And so right. imagine factories, right? That's sort of thing that we're doing to build up the infrastructure to drive down the cost of construction so that we can commoditize housing a little bit more so that it becomes more affordable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of what you're doing over there. I think it's it's fantastic. I think it's unique. And I think, you know, you might not have wanted this business, but you seem very destined for this business. And uh, it's I think your dad would be really, really proud. So um, I lost my father pretty young. I was 27 years old and I didn't get uh, every business knowledge from him. But one of the things he sold cars and he always told me, you don't sell them one car over five years. You sell them five cars over 15 years. If you take care of the person, the business will take care of itself. And that's something I really remember about um, that. So when I first got into real estate, I would turn down deals that I thought were bad deals and it paid me back tenfold. Instead of just selling a house, I sold the right house and, mm. you know, take care. And that's, you know, your, your failure story in the beginning talking about, I had all these families, where am I going to put them? That's thinking about the person, not thinking about how am I going to get the money out of this project if it's not done? That's a very different mindset. You know, what about these families? And so that's going to take you really far. I think so. I love that. I could not agree more. That's amazing. Yeah. So, all right. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, why would they reach out to you? And what, you know, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah. The best way to reach out to us is our website, norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. There's kind of two interesting things we have going on right now. One is that we have a podcast called Zero to Unicorn, where we focus on people that are making a billion dollar impact. And the next episode, which is yet to be released, is uh, with Michael Uslan. He is the originator and the executive producer of Batman. And the fun thing there is it took him 10 years to get the level of approval that he needed to make that a reality. 10 years of fighting for that dream. And the other thing is our new investment platform where we're offering people up to eight and a half percent interest for uh, investments that they can make between six and 24 months. Very easy to use online platform. And uh, that is pretty neat as well. That's very cool. So, um, yeah. Have you heard the Sylvester story? Uh, investor? Wait, Sylvester Salone story. Have you heard his story? No. About Rocky? And like, you know, he had the movie and he wanted to play the character and he kept bringing it to people and they kept shooting him down and he kept bringing it to people. You're not a movie star. You're not a movie star. You're not a movie star. And he was broke. He was literally living on the street with his dog. And it got so bad that he had to sell his dog. Oh, and no. then he finally finds somebody to put him in the movie. He's Rocky. It's a huge success. And he went back and bought his dog. I mean, it's it's a it's a much more detailed story than that. But mm. I mean, when somebody, you know, like what you were talking about with Batman, you know, oh, and this movie out right now, um, The Sound of Freedom. Have you heard about that? No. About the um, it's about sex trafficking at the border. And this guy had the movie mm. and he sold it to Disney and Disney shelved it. 
And he wanted this movie to get out. He was a border guy. He was uh, on the patrol at the border. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a horrible terror stories, but more just what's happening. And so then he had to pay all this money. I think it was like $15 million to buy the movie back. And now it's out and it's crushing it in the theaters. Wow. Yeah. I love stories like that. Yeah. 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 Well, this was really great. Um, I am so glad that we had the chance to connect today. I know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So we really appreciate you being on the Shift Spotlight. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Thank you. Winter here. Thank you so much for listening to the Shift Spotlight podcast. If you are a business owner, CEO, founder, or co-founder of a service-based business with 11 to 100 employees and have zero to nine years of experience seeking recognition for your exceptional expertise while gaining exposure through our remarkable network, well, we are actively searching for podcast guests who can bring their inspiring stories to light, to the spotlight, and we would love to showcase your journey. Please visit theshiftspot.com forward slash podcast to apply today. And if you are a listener, I'd love to give a shout out to your business, to our whole audience for free. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or follow our newsletter on LinkedIn by searching The Shift Spot through LinkedIn. I'd love to just even have you pop by and say hello because I'd love to meet you. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot, truly, to me and my team. We believe every person has a message that can positively impact the world. And we love our community who listens and shares our program. Together, we are empowering one another as shift leaders. Hit subscribe to be inspired and motivated. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you and your growing business. We will see you next time.